The following is a sermon recorded at Reality Church. Please join Pastor Jason as he exposits the word from Romans. Uh, some very interesting, one very interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer that we need to remember as we say it, that it's not just a repetition. The things that we're praying are things like, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I love one thing that I heard this week from, uh, from a teacher about give us this day our daily bread. Talking about how we need to constantly seek God every day. Not, we're not asking for weekly groceries, we're asking for daily bread. So I think it's uh, vital that we would seek God daily in prayer. Let it be a daily thing. Now as we go into uh, Romans today... I'm uh, pretty excited about this week, because this week I get to preach on two verses and not just one. So I hope that you all are staying with me on this. It's, uh, it's, the book of Romans is definitely a masterpiece. Paul's masterpiece is, is the book of Romans. It's, it's amazing how much doctrine, how much he puts into it. You know, we've been talking about uh, slavery to sin, slavery to obedience. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about where we stand in the world and and those things. But one thing that I was looking at as I was going over this week's set of text, I started thinking about like the old days. You know, sometimes you think about the old days and you think, you know, man, I wish we could get those days back. But I was thinking about the old days when I wasn't in Christ. The days when I was without hope and lost. And uh, do, you, do you guys ever think about that? The old you and what you used to be and how you used to be. And what's the main feeling I think we feel sometimes when we do that? Shame. Right? Yeah. And listen. I feel shame for my sinfulness before Christ sometimes. But I want you to know there's nothing wrong with feeling that shame because as we look at the greatness of our sin before Christ, we can look at the awesomeness of Christ and what He did to redeem us on the cross. And the power of that begins to grow in our view. So as, if, if you do start to feel that guilt, that shame as you look at your old days, also understand that you can magnify Christ in that by saying, look, I, I did so much, but Christ has done so much to redeem me. You see, because I remember my sin. My sin was a, a weight upon me. Uh, I talked to Garrett about it on the, on the podcast the other day that, um, like, it was almost physical for me. I'm sure Dill remembers me during that time. He was actually already in church. I wasn't. And I remember the day... The year I got saved, I got saved in the summer before my junior year. And I came back to school, and a good friend of mine, Larry, he looked at me one day and said, Man, I didn't realize you was that tall. I was like, I don't think I hit a growth spurt over the summer. He said, Man, you always used to just walk with your head down. And I look back, and I see that that weight was manifesting itself physically in me. I couldn't even hold my head up. I was weighed down by sin. So as I look back at that, 
I see that the redemption of Christ is so glorious, so powerful, so amazing. And I can magnify Christ in that. And Paul in this text takes us back to the time when we were slaves to sin. And, and I think he accurately describes the life before Christ and how men tried to live without it. Now hear the infallible inspired word of God. Romans 6, 20 and 21. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Father God, thank you so much for your word that it stands. It is infallible. It is inerrant. God, that I can stand aside and let your word speak. Holy Spirit, I put myself aside that you may speak through me, that your power may be made manifest in this word, that it may change the hearts of someone today. Father God, open the veil that we may see a revelation of who you are in this text. Bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may retain it. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a dangerous life Paul is describing. It's a dangerous way to live. Because there's no foundation. But most of all, there's absolutely no hope in this type of life. I'm going to read verse 20 again. Let's listen to this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Paul is accurately describing our state in relationship to righteousness in the righteousness of Christ in this verse. When we were slaves of sin before Christ, there was no righteousness. And as I look at, at what this truly means, it kind of becomes clear that before Christ, you know, we were free from it. We were free from righteousness. We had absolutely no link to any righteousness whatsoever. Now, in society, this sounds like a narrow view, right? That the only way to have any righteousness at all is to be in Christ. That's narrow, right? That's... That doesn't sound inclusive. Well, guess what? The, the Word of God is not necessarily inclusive. It's exclusively about Christ. So we must look at the type of righteousness Christ describes. Described by these men of God who taught the Word in order to help us to understand the doctrines of Christ. Now, as I was looking at this, I thought of several different ways that the, that the world defines righteousness. And one of those, the first one, is a, is a difficult one to deal with. A believer in Christian morals, but they have no interest in the doctrines of Christ. And what Christ has said, that, that we are justified by faith in Christ alone. See, this is a person that's honest. They don't do the things that God wouldn't like according to the Bible. Maybe they... They work for their salvation. 
They don't drink. They don't cuss. They don't chew. And they don't hang with those who do. Y'all remember that, that old saying? They love everybody and accept everybody. Just one problem. Without Christ, they're dead in sin. And they would say in their hearts, maybe, well, I don't need Christ in the word in the church. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing good things. I'm doing the best I can. God wouldn't send me to hell. Because I, I do what his word says. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to do these certain things. Well, in Luke 13, verses 1 through 5, it describes something very, very serious that happened in that, in that time period. It says, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. What had happened is Pilate had some Galilean prisoners and uh, he took their blood, killed them, and mixed them with the sacrifice they were doing to their Roman gods. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So he's saying, Do you think that they suffered just because they were sinners? You think they were bigger sinners than anybody else? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus is making a point here. You who are listening to me, you may think just because you're following law and trying to do these right things according to what God says, that the ones who are suffering and, and dying in these ways, maybe they're worse sinners than you, so you don't have to worry about it because you're better. And he's saying, no, we all stand in the same place. We all must repent or we will all likewise perish. Every person must stand and repent to be in Christ and to be saved. The next type of person that I thought about was a good person. A good person who does good things, right? A person who trusts in their goodness to save them. They, you see that a good person doesn't need Christ. A wicked sinner needs Christ. But we learn in Scripture very clearly that there's nobody good except one. Listen to what R.C. Sproul said. I think this is such a great quote from R.C. Sproul. He was constantly confronted in his apologetics with people who doubted Christ. And they would say, well... If God is real, then why do bad things happen to good people? Well, R.C. came up with an answer to that. 
Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that only happened once and he volunteered. When the rich young ruler came to Christ and said, what must I do to have eternal life, good, good teacher? One of the points Christ made was to say, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. He was affirming his deity and he was affirming the fact that Christ was the only good person that ever walked this earth. So no matter how good you are, no matter how good your acts, we still must have Christ. The next one is the man who's full of their own righteousness. We see this a lot in the social media days, the social media age we live in. The men who uh, make big gifts to charity and then post about it on social media and take pictures of it. Men who volunteer at events for the selfie opportunities. Men who look at themselves in the mirror and they fall in love, right? These men seek to justify themselves before men. They want acceptance from society, but at what cost? Luke 16, 15 says it. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now here's the thing. As I'm speaking about these people, sometimes I feel like I'm looking in a mirror as my old nature and I think about the times that I have been this person. Maybe well-meaning, but according to, to Scripture, according to Christ Himself, when we seek to be exalted among men as the man who is full of their own righteousness, our, our own actions become an abomination to God because we depend on ourselves. And not on Christ. And then the last one. A fine man who is trying his hardest. He, he generally thinks he's making a difference. He works hard. Sacrifices things for others. He's not haughty. He's not selfish. He's, he just wants to do the best he can. And. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, for all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Or you may remember it this way, a filth, like filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. You see... Even the man who's doing his best, he's not selfish in any way. He's trying his hardest, even though he is trying his hardest. Not trying to lift himself up, not trying to, trying to justify himself for anybody. But just want to do the best to improve himself. Even his righteousness is like filthy rags. What Paul is saying about these type of people is very clear. That even though their lives may look good on paper without Christ... We're all evil and wicked in the sight of God. And we all deserve 
the eternal damnation of hell. But we must remember, just like he told the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now what he was saying, he was saying this to a church. Here's the thing. This has been all of us at some point. We are not exempt from falling into these categories at some point in our lives. Even after Christ, the old nature tries to push us that direction sometimes. We're not exempt. We can have all the great things in this world, but without Christ, we are absolutely nothing. I want to read to you again verse 21 of Romans 6, where it says, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you were now ashamed? The end of those things is death. Paul Ask a great question here. What benefited you in that old life before Christ? The answer is simple. Absolutely nothing. He also, in doing this, gives us three accurate descriptions of that life before Christ. And let's look at that. And I want us to be reminded of what we have come from, okay? If we're in Christ. And here's why. Because I want where we have come from to drive us with compassion towards those who are not yet in Christ. See, before Christ, when we were slave to sins, we lived a fruitless life. We gained nothing, no fruit. Now, if you've got a fruit tree that continuously doesn't bear fruit, what do you do? I know what I do. I cut it down and I use it for wood in my smoker because it's of no use to me. It's fruitless. The life before Christ bore no fruit. We gained nothing from it except the thing that we sometimes feel after it, right? Shame. Christ wants us to have fruit and benefit and gain from what He has done in us. Not like the, not like a, the prosperity preacher might say in money and, and all that. He wants us to have fruit that lasts Everlasting fruit. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
Christ wants us to lay those treasures up in heaven. He wants us to not seek gain on earth, but gain in heaven. And when do we see the, the fruit of that gain? When we seek our God face to face. Now, another type of life that was prevalent is prevalent to those who are not in Christ is a shameful life. Sin was destroying us and filling us with shame. Because how does sin work? We talked about it last week. Sin leads to more sinfulness. Lies lead to more lies. Because most of the time, you got to lie to cover your lie in order for people not to think you're lying, right? Sinfulness leads to more sinfulness. And we still feel the shame of it now because of like I talked at the beginning, because it, it was destroying us constantly. But thanks be to God that Christ has redeemed us from that sin. And the last way that Paul really kind of describes that life in this passage is this. It was a life of death. We were leading dead lives which would lead to eternal death. Like, like Second Thessalonians says in chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 it says, in flaming fire and inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. When He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. As horrible as it is, hell is a reality to those who remain slaves to sin. Praise God that our fate isn't that if we're in Christ. That Christ took the wrath of God on the cross. You see, we don't want to live a life of death. We want to live a life in Christ that is full of the resurrection power and light that is in Him. Now, how do we apply that to our lives? Well, first, I think that we have to understand the truth of what the gospel says. Our time of slavery to sin was awful. It was shameful. It was destructive. It was fruitless. It was going to lead to death. Absolutely. But if we're in Christ... Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, fulfilling the law, went to the cross by choice 
to take our sin upon Himself, to endure the wrath that we could never endure ourselves. He endured it. And He died the death that we deserved. Why? To redeem us. To save us. Why? Because we've seen clearly we have no hope to save ourselves. None. There is no hope within you to save yourself, to be good enough, to be righteous enough. Why? Because our righteousness is filthy rags. But thank God that if we are in Christ, our filthy rags are gone. And guess what? We have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We're clean. We've been set free. So I would say apply this to your life. You have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ because of what he has accomplished on the cross. Don't seek after those righteousnesses of your own. Why? Because we are here to glorify our Savior. I would say this, if you are not in Christ, if you are not born again, I say this, with as much urgency as I possibly can. If you are not in Christ, repent. Turn from that life. Be born again. Trust in Christ alone as your Savior. If you are not in Christ, come to Christ. Cling to Christ. You have no hope other than Christ. You cannot possibly comprehend the love of God Until you look at the justice that was done on the cross for you. Cling to Christ. Run to Christ. Come to Christ. Now, if you are in Christ, I would also say this. As you bask in the glory of what he has done for you, I would say this as well. Store up your treasures in heaven. That's where you need to put them. Because in heaven, your treasures will never rust. They'll never have a moth eat them. They'll never be destroyed. And no man can take them from you. Looking at the uncertainty of this world, we see clearly that no matter how things are going no matter how awesome they look, no matter how much money you've got in the bank. One virus has made people all over this country unable to meet the needs of their family. That's how quickly the things of this earth, the treasures of this earth can go away. One virus can do that. So I want to store up treasures in heaven that can't be destroyed. That can't be taken away by COVID-19. By any political candidate. By any movement on this earth that seeks to change the world in any way. 
The treasure that I store up in heaven cannot be touched. So what are some of those treasures? A life of holiness. A love of your neighbor. A sharing of the gospel. Reaching out your hand to those who are downtrodden and lifting them up. Those are the types of treasures that we store in heaven. And the hope that we have will never die. No matter how rough things look. No matter how many times you start to remember all of the old junk you used to do. And even when the enemy comes in and says, Man, you were terrible. You were such a sinner. Look how awful you were. Look how angry you were. Look how disgusting you were. Then we can look at him. Kind of like Martin Luther. And I'm paraphrasing here. And he said, yeah, you're right. I was awful. I was a sinner. I was a wretch. I was worthless. But Christ came to die for sinners. And now in him, I am clothed with his righteousness. And watch how your life will change. I want to pray for you. And I want to say this, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who is not in Christ, who is not born again, run to Christ. Repent of your sin. Turn, leave it, turn to Christ. Run to Him. It's your only hope. Father God, thank You so much for Your Word, the power of the redemption that is in Christ. The joy that we can take in knowing that we have been set free. That hell is not our destination. That right now we are storing up treasures in heaven. That one day when we see you face to face after we die or if you come to redeem to, to call us home. That we... have treasure that the enemy can't touch that nothing on this earth can mess with and the greatest treasure is Christ and that one day we will see you face to face and in that moment as we behold the glory that we've been living for for all of our lives and we're changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye all tears are wiped away and now we become Exactly what we've wanted to be the whole time since we've met, since we've come to Christ. When we are finally free of sin, free of the old nature, and clean completely. Thank you, God, that in that moment, all of the things that we face on this earth will be worth it. All of the suffering and the pain that we may see and we may deal with will be worth it. There's no temporal thing that we could receive on this earth that could ever replace heaven as we receive our eternal reward. When you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. May we live for that day. May we seek for that day. May we not be satisfied 
with anything on this earth that would have us not look towards that day. Father, bless each person under the sound of my voice that they may desire truly to see more of you in your word, to have more of you revealed to them, to see the great power and majesty that is in you, to love their neighbor, to seek for holiness, to want to share the word, to want to know the word. Give us that desire, Father. And Father, for any who may not know you in this place, may they repent of their sin now, that they may escape the wrath to come. Father, we thank you so much. Bless each family in this house. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I will be uh, going live at 7 on Wednesday night for our next B2B. God bless y'all. We hope you were blessed by this message from Pastor Jason. If you like what you heard, go ahead to our Facebook page and like Reality Church. Also, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reality Church. God bless you. Thank you.